curious minds. And here is your host, Gary Cachulio. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank every thank the contributors to my show and thank everybody for listening. And my contributors are executive producers, Candice Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Who Do Justice Magic, binaural production engineer, Damian Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, Monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. And monthly co-host Cap Baldwin, author of The Forgiveness Workshop. And also new is Tarot by Ginger. And you can go to tarotbyginger.com and check her out. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Jared Murphy. Jared, what's up? Hey, thanks for having me on. What's been going this on, is, man? How's Texas? Yes, this is a uh, new arrival. This will be my base of operation for a little while. We're doing um, a number of things down here, including trying to wrap up that massive revision and update of It's Not Aliens, Worse It's Us. It will be uh, hopefully wrapping up here in the next three, four weeks. And uh, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be able to have a conversation about where you're going to be able to put in your pre-orders and get ready for it to come out and get it. Uh, it's going to be in full color. It's pretty exciting. I mean, it's a lot of work. I'm not trying to sell it right now. The, the, the reality is that it was just took a massive amount of work to get through. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm more excited. I'm excited to get it out, but I'm, I'm just excited to be done with the update because it's <laughs> taken months. <laughs> Yay. Uh, on top of that, I'm here I am looking forward to exploring the Galt archaeological site. This is a site that is, um, uh, we're going to go take a look at it. This is uh, Freeman from Freeman dot Freeman fly Freeman dot TV uh, Freeman. We are going to be heading over to uh, visit with some friends uh, who also have an interest in ancient history. And this site is considered to be the largest Clovis site in the country, possibly North America. And it's just north of Austin. And the interesting part, because, you know, the Clovis is the name given to everybody who was here allegedly across the, you know, the land bridge that was created between Alaska and Siberia. And uh, allegedly nobody was here other than, in quotes, the Clovis. And mm-hmm. and that is so uh, beyond even what standard academia is. You know, it's, I wish there was a memo that went out and we'd stop even calling them Clovis because that was just a random name given random in the sense that it has nothing to do with the cultures or groups of people that were here where similar tools, stone implements, assorted other paraphernalia are found around the country in North America and, and Central America. But the Clovis layer, one of the big problems with archaeology and it has been for a while was, well, you know, there's nothing below Clovis. And it's like, well, have you looked? Well, you don't need to dig because there's nothing there. It's like, well, <laughs> there's nothing there if you don't dig. So, okay, why don't we dig? And what happened at Galt, and this is what's so exciting, is they dug and they found a stone floor and they did preliminary dating and testing. And it's 15, maybe 18,000 years old plus. Hmm. And that means that's just 
I wish that was the only indicator, but that's just north of Texas and not a lot of people talk about it. And it's um, really important because it's not a isolated site. There are many, many, many sites around uh, Central, South, and North America that show many, many human beings living here for millions of years and or hundreds of thousands of years and millions of people. I mean, you can vice versa it because you and I have talked about, well, we've, we've talked to Michael Cremo. Yeah. There's uh, the Gulf, uh, not the Gulf, the way at Laco, Mexico with Virginia Steam McIntyre, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they originally estimated it. The geologists put it at 275,000, 350,000 years old. Now they're easily saying it's well over 300 to over half a million years old. And those are anatomically correct humans hanging out in the middle of uh, northern Mexico. There's buried, and uh, with Cremo, we've talked about um, the buried pyramid structures that uh, there, there's no way they're less than maybe nine or 12,000 years old. They could be, again, well over 15 or 18,000. And the shell mound cultures, um, which have been found as, you know, Brazil and Chile and all the way up into here. It's like we have a, a single culture dating back maybe within the 13,000 years of Younger Dryas. But the problem is they, again, aren't doing a lot of actual carbon dating. And you have a single culture that produced, when we say shell mounds, we don't mean like they chuck a few thousand shells. We're talking millions. It's, it's insane that they built up mountains, pyramids of shells. And I just don't think that that's something that happened uh, even in the time that it would take to walk across the Bering Land Bridge and get all the way down to Brazil and just start piling up shells mm-hmm. like the plain pinochle, just <laughs> keeping that exciting for people. Um, so this this site though, uh, you can schedule tours. They have a schedule. the The Galt Archaeological Site is really fascinating. It's on private land, but it's been managed by the state archaeologists. Uh, professionally for a while now where back in the 1920s it was a pay to dig site so that used to be a thing you know you were bored you could hop in the old model t and uh or grab some horse and buggy and you could pay to dig and keep whatever you found Hmm. how's that for archaeology oh wait that's how the british museum used to do it (laughs) (laughs) they're like yeah we can take what we want um but they stopped that and so for the longest time the galt site they thought well there there's not going to be anything in the galt site because people have destroyed it by just throwing shovels in turned out they were completely wrong when archaeologists took it over and they kept digging around in general they found that this site spanned it's what's again interesting is this is a giant farm area it's open range land where they haven't remotely covered the entire site. They don't have a global archaeological plan. That, that's something that I've talked about for a long time is, hey, you have a scope and scale of a site that probably, let's create a 50-year plan, a 20-year plan, a 10-year plan, a six-month plan, and let's let's find things, but maybe let's have a plan to get to the greater site at hand. And the problem is, they did, you know, they made the progress to find that there's indications of a stone floor of people being here 
15, 18,000 years plus. I mean, that doesn't mean that they weren't here 30,000 years ago or that these are people that are uh, remnants of Weyatlaco or pyramid cultures that predate lava flows in northern Mexico, which are a National Geographic that we've talked about. And again, you know, putting it back, you know, this is just a fraction of what is uh, out there for people who are young paleoanthropologists and archaeologists to find. So there isn't, I think, a written, completed story about our origins at all. I, I think we have a lot of questions to get to and this is just one of those sites that hopefully i can bring everybody some photos get them out on not aliens mm -hmm. and not aliens youtube and i'll i'll get you some photos too for everything cool. imaginable and see if we can't um continue to spark interest and inspiration so how long is this when was this site discovered and where exactly is it located uh so the galt site it's about 45 minutes north of austin mm -hmm. um so it and you can if you google oh i'm sorry internet search uh like just just put in galt g-a-u-l-t galt and archaeological site it'll come up they have a website and they have their their visiting schedule stuff like that and i think you know there's some great videos on it i'm not i think they started finding things in the 1890s, 1900s. Um, whoever bought the site made it a pay-for-dig site by 1920. So it, it, it's not, it wasn't a known site too much earlier than that. And they made it pay-to-dig because they didn't really think there was a lot of value with arrowheads. You know, it was like, it was supposed to be primitive, um, not very important Archaeological, you know, again, nothing in America was supposed to be important before the colonialists arrived, mm -hmm. you know, until, you know, Europeans came, you know, there, there was nothing here, you know, <laughs> forget, forget the 60,000 structures found in Guatemala and the sheer, you know, possible indications that there were tens of millions of human beings living between South and Central and North America. It's, it's pretty crazy. So this site. Uh, I think when people were literally digging holes, grab a piece of shard of pottery or uh, an arrowhead or maybe something that looked like a shaped stone tool, which would be called like an eolith or a neolith. And they just took whatever they wanted while they had a picnic and camped. And then um, it didn't really start seriously being excavated until the archaeologists finally were able to get in. And that didn't happen until I think almost the 90s wow so that's how long it went really uh they thought again the site was considered it's so funny because i think this is a good example too they thought it was a loss they thought there was nothing left to be found hmm i i don't know how you assume that but they did and then here they are actively digging in fact this weekend uh, we were going to try to go this weekend, uh, Freeman and I, and they have a hundred and fifty people coming out to volunteer to help work on the site. Um, so that's the other thing is that if you wanted to get involved and you had an interest in participating with some archaeologists, you could actually come to the Galt site and do work. So that's the thing. That's pretty cool. It's really cool. 
yeah, they're um, they're feeding everybody, and I believe they're working Saturday and Sunday. And uh, they have some general, they have normal annual uh, participation and help like this. Mm-hmm. But then the other thing that's going on uh, was a tornado, and it caused a lot of trees to fall down. So they have to they have to chop up a whole lot of trees, mm-hmm. like a lot. They ha- they have a lot of work to do to clear the area because of this tornado. There's been storms. Every day that I've been here, um, I was in Nevada, Missouri on Friday night and I had to set up for a show. But when that show was done and um, I was listening to some of the most violent weather I had heard in a long time. I mean, it was really, really extreme lightning and thunderstorm and wind and rain. And um, then I made it down to Texas and, you know, the float fest was going on that was uh that started last thursday i think and it goes until i think tomorrow or wednesday and um again the extreme weather north and south of the event it was pretty crazy to see these lightning storms that were not making any sound from where we were but then at night you know from the hotel room not far from float fest uh which is near uh, gauze uh, G-A-U-S-E, Gauze, Texas. And the thunderstorms that rolled through again were just just out of hand. And so and it's been like that uh, last night and the night before. It's it's just pretty incredible, the, the storm systems around here. But you've been down around in this area. And, uh, I mean, how was it where you were living before? It's pretty bad, aren't they? In Alabama, yeah. Yeah, I don't. It's just one of the benefits of living here, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we had a lot of rain. That was for sure. Well, they had said that the weather wasn't going to be bad, and the the float fest, um, F L O A F L O, what is it? F L O T E. But uh, they said the weather hadn't been too bad. But I showed up on Saturday and. Man, it was 95 degrees, and it was not cool unless you were in the shade. And I tried my best to stay out of the sun, and I still burnt. Um, it was. Uh, it's definitely gotten warm. I've I've been told Texas is not uh, comfortable after June, um, but between the uh, book wrap up and the Galt site and some other archaeological investigations. I'm going to be hitting Rockwall, Texas while I'm here. I know there's been some investigations as to deciding whether or not Rockwall was a natural uh, geological feature or if it was a artificial wall. I'm hoping to go check that out here over the next couple weeks also. Hmm. See what we can maybe revisit and see if there's any other possibilities that maybe the wall is... One of the arguments is that the magnetic fields of the stone are all... You know, if they had been cut and restacked the magnetic fields would face different directions one of my questions that i haven't been able to answer yet is well what if those magnetic fields realigned because the wall's that old and been buried for that long and what would that take so that's that's one of the questions i want to answer and i'll be talking to the archaeologists at the galt site also uh they are all associated with the state archaeology uh department and so there's obviously colleges and individual archaeologists involved from schools, but 
I have a list. These questions must be asked. Awesome. <laughs> so what was I'll, what was going on at Float Fest? Um, so it's the second year, and uh, Sam Tripoli was there, um, headlining for um, uh, did some comedy that was pretty good, and there was um, basically it's a gathering of independent folk that looking to um, maintain basically uh, financial and and uh, freedom in America, and so there were vendors that little bit of everything you know there was food there's always the massage table for those that need the event rub down you know that's always there uh, the main stage had some really interesting stuff they they were getting rid of uh like if you want to de-google or de-apple your phone uh they had that going on um they had you know, if you wanted to basically make your phone as anonymous as possible, they had people working on that. They had a lot of Bitcoin or digital currency uh, conversations. Also, you could join uh, digital currency while you were there. I mean, in, in reference to join, they had a, a couple of various, um, and I can't speak any further to it than this. You could go to FloatFest and look it up, but they had some various... Um, vendors and representatives from certain uh, Bitcoin uh, groups or programs. And there were NFT artists there. In fact, there was an NFT artist that I met that was doing, um, you know, live art. And um, uh, Freeman got his portrait done by this artist who is then converting his uh, portrait into an NFT. I thought that was cool. So we sat and did that. That was kind of neat. Interesting. So that was a giant campsite. Oh, there was a gun range very far away. Um, I mean, it was a solid over half a mile, but you could see it in the distance. And there were people camping a little bit everywhere. Uh, there was a few hundred people. Um, again, it's the second year, so it's not ragingly huge yet, this event. Uh, vendor booths were free was my understanding you just had to come so there was no charge and uh, there was a there was a gentleman with what i can only describe as a it was like an organ Mm -hmm. uh that he hauled around in a uh, giant box trailer and it played basically like carnival like music it was as if something wicked this way come had Mm -hmm. come to life um, I meant to ask him why, but none of us did. I don't know if we ever got an answer. Like, and then he just was programming it all day. So it was, I'm not even sure if it ran off electricity or if, but there were no dancing monkeys and no bears on balls. And, but it would play periodically for hours throughout the day. So that was a, I wish I could say aliens or the gray state were more interested, you know, like there was some other like spaceship that showed up, but no, that, that didn't happen. <laughs> Just a field of fun. And it was interesting. You know, it's, it's, you never know what you're going to see when you go to these events. <laughs> Working guy. What was that? The organ guy. 
Yep, there was I, you know, for that question led me down to explain to everyone about organ guy, <laughs> and no, I didn't take a picture of it. I, 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 I kind of was. I gotta be honest, I was puzzling on it for, and somebody finally said in our group, we were like, why don't we just go ask him, and and they were like, why don't we? That's a great idea, and then no one did. <laughs> so, to at least to today. And maybe maybe when we get to the Galt site, I'm going to find out if any of the other half a dozen uh, people that are coming that were at Float uh, ever asked Organ Guy what the story was with the organ. Like, you know, it'd be fine if there was like a possessed army of dolls marching to the beat of it, but there was a point where it's like there's some there's I have some serious intrigue with the mysterious organ music <laughs> and. You know, it's that very flighty, carnival circus sounding, and it just played in, on loops for hours. Hmm. Yep. Uh, made me want to make possessed Victorian dolls. Interesting. Just get them in a little marching band and clap in little, you know, spring monkey hands together. Spooky, man. What was that? It's kind of spooky. Yeah. Um, so, other than that, um, it was a camp, you know, bring all your own stuff, leave with all your own stuff. Um, I, I, I cannot believe the amount of dogs, a lot of dogs, a lot of friendly people, but a lot of dogs. It was like a giant dog camp fest. Hmm. Uh, everyone was supposed to have their animals leashed. Some people didn't. Um, that was about it. Um, then it was good open conversations about, um, ironically, it was a combo of, um, it was actually impressive the number of people who had acres with groups living on those acres where they collectively work together to live together where you have some really great motivated owners of properties where they're not really charging rent. They're really under the belief system of uh, collectively working together as a community to um, sustain your own independence. And somehow that translated to not charging people rent to live on some in these communities, but uh, just collectively working on maybe a commercial product or so a little bit of socialism for those cynics out there. And apparently we're going to pause for the leaf blower for everyone listening. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say that I'm at a dirt bike track and race number three has started. And if I'm assuming can, you can, can hear that right no, now. I can't hear anything. Okay. Well, I'm going to pretend it's not happening. And I, I think it's really neat, though, the number. It wasn't just a couple. It was like over a half a dozen um, people that had 20, 30, 100 acres, and they had anywhere from 10 to 40 people living on those acres. And their their, their part of FloatFest uh, was to have a collective meet and greet of people who are attempting to make a system work where they're less and less involved with the political and monetary system at large mm, that's um, a good thing to just uh, really try to not be indebted 
I guess, externally. <laughs> so that, that part was interesting. I definitely support the green anarchism movement. The green green anarchism, yeah, it's kind of that. That was the deal. Uh, you know, there was uh, it was pretty interesting. They were they were taking all the vendors were taking digital currency, um, a lot of digital wallets. Uh, they also had like actual casino tokens that that they were actually. Um, paying out in change mm-hmm. like and it was fun to watch people refer to green backs to refer to the american dollar as fiat i'll take fiat still like <laughs> i will resentfully i will resentfully take fiat <laughs> so that that was happening and it was it was i think educationally if you want to learn a lot about uh how our phones track us and how to, you know, again, de-app your phone and to make it just be a phone or if you want to be on the internet. A lot of people didn't understand. I mean, another one, like, you know, they're talking the difference between the different search engines and DuckDuckGo. It's like, hey, you know, you want privacy, but it's like, okay, look, there's an entire dialogue you need to have if you want to understand privacy and security on the internet. And so that that was all happening. How's that for a cryptic answer for people then? not be offended or um you know we're not attacking any individual right. engines but the reality is that they they were really pretty um i think hyper focused on getting to some of these specifics that were i think unnecessary dialogue for even if you're familiar with it they were getting details in on how to how to step by step remove or navigate a system of information that's uh, recording and tracking. And it was also neat to meet some people. I met some people who are familiar with my work and I met people who were there just because their partners were there and they had over time gotten way more. um, it, It was interesting to hear how, there, there were definitely people there that were not into any of the various topics that you and I talk about. And yet the partners, their partners who were, were able to tell me, yeah. And then I got in the car and they were listening to this like podcast that only I listened to only they were listening to like the next episode or whatever. <laughs> so it's, it is very interesting to meet the people who were just there because of their partners. And then on top of it, there was a lovely group of young uh, kids between, I would say, 9 and 12. And Gary, uh, this was probably the most exciting thing. They were so well-informed. Hmm. The, these kids, one of them, uh, man, what a spitfire. Uh, she was 11, max. And maybe she had questioned her doctor on what was in that that thing that sticks us in the arms and she had everything that we could have ever wanted to know about uh conformed uh informed consent uh conformed (laughs) more accurate uh informed consent uh it was unbelievable this girl's knowledge base I mean, 
talking about a high five. I wish I could have met her parents. Um, they, the groups that were moving throughout float fest were all very fascinating and interesting people. So it was, uh, it was a worthy stop. Cool. It really was, but it's over almost, you know, yeah. it's, 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 um, like I said, tomorrow we're, uh, yeah, I, I, I would think so. That's that. That's interesting. You know, I'm not a big fan of the cryptocurrency stuff, honestly. You know, I'm kind of like, lately, I've been kind of just anti-technology in general. Like, almost like I just want to smash my phone. And go yeah, you know, I've, I've thought about going to a flip phone again. I mean, I, I mean, every now and then if I need directions, it's like I can always get a navigational device and I can use a flip phone. I mean, I can really just like, parcel out the technologies um one of the things i know that i'm i'm kind of irritated about is that even if you don't use your onstar or these uh uh car tracking systems if you car if your car comes or even sometimes if you get a car that they said it wasn't installed the systems are still embedded in the vehicles so they can track the vehicle that kind of bugs me yeah so my idea of making a you know if you're making a decision to buy a, buy a car, I really think you should go back to a carburetor, cylinders, just an engine and a AM FM radio, you know, tape deck, CD player. An Oldsmobile you know. Cutlass Supreme. Oh, you get that special feel in an Oldsmobile. <laughs> All of you out there, look that commercial up on YouTube. I, I had a buddy who's, it, we were in high school, parents gave him the oldsmobile and in the glove compartment they had the car dealership had given them a cassette tape of that stupid song that that you get that special feel in an oldsmobile <laughs> and he would play it on loop just to just to be annoying he would put it on while we were driving to high school <laughs> just hilarious that was just that happened um, but yeah, there is, there's definitely, um, uh, a, a variety of people, um, that were all, I think very well collaboratively getting along. I don't know your, um, your thought on your cell phone is, uh, how many times have you had it? And are you getting close to actually doing it is my question. I haven't gotten close to doing it at all, but I'm just been obsessed with the idea that what people are experiencing online through social media is just fake. Oh yeah. That that, that there really is no that that because of, of everything that we do on our phones and online, it's causing people to lose a sense of reality and become completely oh, yeah. disconnected from what is real? I, I think that's the only way you could sort out how people could believe certain things that they're told without any question. It makes no sense. Like, how can you just go along with that? It's, it's just infuriating to, to see people lack medical literacy, common sense, discernment. Um, and there seems to be no explanation for it, except that it cuts into their 
you know, fantasy television time. Mm-hmm. That that's probably what it really boils down to. Yeah, I don't know. I've just been frustrated with it all lately. Are you um, looking to unplug from any of it, or is it just more like limit your time, or where where are you at with it? Mm. I don't know. You know, it's something that uh, I want to do more research on to see, like, like what valid researchers have to say about it and how it's affecting society and how it's affecting people's psychology. Yeah. You know, and, you know, maybe in that versus people who are just going out and living in nature without modern conveniences. Like who's the happier person? A person with a cell phone, with a social, with a, a social, with a Facebook account, and a Twitter account, and an Instagram account, and a TikTok account, versus the guy who's living out in the woods with not even a phone. Or you know, it's funny that did come. Yep. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think you don't need a phone for a Little House on the Prairie. Mm-mm. I don't know if you'll get tired of watching bees pollinate, but never get tired of it. <laughs> well, there's the question is that, is it a split your time? Is that, you know, the minute you throw the word vacation in, it has a different connotation than, um, you know, living amongst it's, I, I think there's a huge distinction between, you know, the word vacation and what it means to go somewhere and actually be there uh, versus like, okay, well at 10 a.m. we're going to the museum and at noon we're doing this. And that, you know, like the vacation is more like, Hey, we're, we're going to go explore and do things because we're never going to be able to afford to come back. Uh, This is this one time, you know, we're going to Disney world one time we're going to Disneyland one time we're going to, um, you know, pick a water park, marine thing, whatever it is, you know, there's, I grew up in a family where we took, Hey, this is our one time to go to this one thing, or mm-hmm. this is our one time to go to this other thing. This is going to be our only, and this is pre-internet. I mean, there's the other thing. If for those of you listening, you have to think about this. Um, if we wanted to check something out, it meant going to the library and looking at a book, National Geographic. I mean, we had to look at a magazine somebody else had gone to some exotic location or uh, told a story, but we had to read it. Uh, It wasn't, you know, there's only a few channels on television and there's only a few people producing anything of anything. So if it wasn't on a scheduled program that you had no control over, uh, there wasn't an internet filled with minutes or hours of content. There was no YouTube. There was no anything. There was an email account. And I don't know, it's, I mean, we could chat, we can digress about the early internet, but, you know, for us growing up and I'm throwing Gary in our bucket here, which is, <laughs> yeah, we, we, we had family trips where when you're on that vacation, it's like, this is the one and only time we are ever going to see this in person live. It's not going to ever be in our life again. We're not, there will be no way to get on a social media account and see pictures of other people there making it look amazing in technicolor. Right. You know, and the, 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 like, I wonder, like, even, like, does it take away people's desire to even go out and explore, too? Well, yeah, I agree. Yeah. 
Absolutely, because like if you can see it in 8K television on a on a 110 inch screen in your basement or wherever, like what what's your motivation to go there if you're seeing it ironically in in better formatted color than if you were there in person mm. without spending the money? You know, you spend it on the television, I guess. <laughs> and then I started thinking, like, what about my own podcast? Like, you know. Well, does my podcast fall into the category of just media consumption? Uh, and should I continue to do it, or should I destroy the podcast? Oh, that's to put everyone on edge out there. Um, no, in all seriousness, um, here's what I found more um the short answer for everyone listening is I think podcasting, the dialogues we're having, it's more like somebody's sitting here with us and we're just having a chill afternoon or something. And and it's a dialogue that I think other people, if they're mulling, I think the point of some of our dialogues are that it helps people further along their own processing. Mm-hmm. And at other points, it's surely entertainment. By entertainment, it means You've had a stressful day. You've had a crappy morning. This is a way to escape. Um, so in some respects, uh, if you look at all the EQs on a musical track, if we were recording and producing a piece of music, you know, we have all these different levels for all these mids and lows and highs and, you know, these bass tones and whatever. And uh, I think the levels of entertainment, information, uh, you know, usefulness. I think those are all levels that are part of the show, don't you? I don't know. I don't know anymore. You know, I I'm just wonder. Um, I don't know. Like, 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 like originally, my motivation has been to put out content that people are not going to hear anywhere else, and to inspire curiosity to help people think for themselves and to ask questions you know rather than getting on here and preaching about whatever and telling people what to believe i want people to gather up resources and figure out what makes sense to them um but are people actually doing that with my podcast are they doing that or are they just listening to this like it's factual and everything i say is true and they should just believe what they're told by everything imaginable podcast and they're gonna basically i'm just creating more zombie slaves for the world or they're listening to it for for strictly entertainment and as a result they're just wasting their time where they could be out there experiencing life well i think there's a combo of every type of human being but I kind of like the sound of, you know, like Charlemagne to God. Why not Gary to God? <laughs> um, I, 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 I do think that it's a combo. I think there are different people. Okay. If for everyone out there, for being uh, politically or for being, uh, I don't know how to say politically, if we're being gentle about it, there's a combo of everyone out there, right? And all the moths are drawn to the flame, Gary. All the moths. Hmm. Um, some are just smart enough not to get burned. Huh? Um, so I think 
I, I think the que- there's questions on why question. There's questions on uh, who are the variety of people that participate. And then part of it might be a self-examination of saying, okay, well, we've gotten personally, we could sit down and speak to a lot of people on a variety of subjects from, you know, the aliens to gray state to quantum to uh, dimensional uh, binaural, you know, there's a massive swing in information that we are more familiar with. Right. So I think sometimes it's maybe hard to back up and say, Hey, the person just turning on everything imaginable for the first time, uh, who is really uh, just at the beginning of their journey They've figured out maybe maybe they're even an expert in a couple things, but they've now defocused. Well, they're still doing really good work in their field, but maybe they're an extreme expert. Well, but what I say by that is, I guess, just that there are people who get really good at the one thing and they focus always on the one thing and they don't have room for anything else. And so when they do start to fan out, it, I think it helps their immediate research, but it they could be very novice in their understanding of other information, whether it's about Dr. Richard Allen Miller, or, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're learning something new. And so they could be at that point. Uh, but I think one of your other points about answering those questions for us might be that, and I, and I've been debating this for a while cause I do do it with dark hour and I I've, I've done it on some other shows, but I think maybe we should do like a weekly live show. What do you think? one where people can actually participate and ask questions. That'd be a good idea. I think that really is the remedy to answering that overall arching question. It's like, what kind of effect are you having? And, and who are the people, not everyone, but I think that if we maybe get consistent about the timing on that mm-hmm. and just make the effort to, I, I think, you know, I've been wanting to do it for coast to coast and or for coast to coast for I, coast to coast in America, I meant for not aliens. I've been wanting to do um, a live show because people have questions and answering it in a at a capacity they can just chime in on their own and and that would be better feedback I think than speculating further hmm. uh, without input without our the valuable listeners actually you know chiming in right. What if nobody She's listens? We we need we need we need to we need to get that echo sonar responding response. <laughs> huh? Uh, I I think it'd be fun, don't you? Yeah, I do think it would be fun. It'd be good to, to get people's feedback and hear. Like, I mean, I get emails and stuff from people, but it's still not the same as live feedback. No. I think it's worth our time. I think um, we should pick a date and time and and start start at it. Actually, yeah, I like that idea. Um, so for everyone listening, uh, I guess you're gonna have to wait for future announcements. But we are going to do a live show. This just happened right here, right now. <laughs> and you can ask his questions. Yep. I can picture you with a mic with a live studio audience. It's Gary the God, everybody. Come on down. <laughs> I don't want to be here today, Jared. Okay. Well, why don't you sit back down in the audience? Give me that popcorn. 
<laughs> I'm not participating. <laughs> Just let me graze. That's um, funny. Because sometimes I don't feel like participating in my own podcast. <laughs> well, and that's like another okay. thing that I've been thinking too, you know, like when we've talked about, you know, like you hosting some episodes of everything yeah. imaginable, you know, and, and I think that would be good too if I can get, you know, other random guest hosts other than myself to give people even more, you know, of yeah, a I, better variety of content, you know? Like, part of my thing is, like, I've been thinking, like, I really want to make this more into, like, a media company than just a podcast. Yeah, I think also the podcast either has to drive, if it's you personally, it has to, I think part of the driver has to be your own questions and where you're at. Mm-hmm. So, there's introducing new subjects, but then there's also just asking the questions that help you personally experiment in your own life. So I, I do think the podcasts have to have some selfish personal uh, gains, uh, gains of function, where you can have guests and questions and answers on that help feed um actions you can take that you know whether it's directed in health or um you know like whether it's what you're eating or fitness or um mindset meditation um just general applications towards maybe um philosophical where you know we have our debates on if a tree falls in a forest and all that Mm -hmm. so i i think that those questions can get answered by other hosts or uh the the, the management of, like you said, more of a media organization. I think those are all good directions because if it's inspiring you to move on to something more complex, you may have just uh, mastered this enough where you're like done with the, the certain granular points mm-hmm. that could be now passed on to other people. Yeah, I wonder about that. You know, like, I mean, I've done almost 450 episodes. That's a lot of content (laughs) in a short amount of time. (laughs) You did kick it hard. So hard. You know, so, I mean, you know, I think it's time to start thinking about what the next move is going to be. Yeah, I think, um, you know, so we did talk about that. I will be co-hosting or I will be hosting some shows. Uh, I guess that's coming up here, too, and Mm -hmm. shortly. Um, I don't have uh, I don't have any objection. I mean, I think uh, expanding your interests will be good for the show. And also just uh, I think I think us doing a live show would be good for everybody. It'd be good for your fans. It'd be good for mine. It'll be good for um, the dialogue for us to even consider new directions that maybe we wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. So so I wonder how that would work. Like, I wonder if I find other hosts for the podcast and then focus on doing live stuff myself, like for us. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Introspections on everything imaginable. I mean, could it really be everything imaginable with one host anyway? No. 
Oh, namaste. <laughs> the moment Gary to God transcended. Mm. This is it. Well, I am, I do consider myself the god of podcasting. Well, 450 episodes is pretty good. Yeah, it's a lot. So, um, when you go to Texas, what things are you going to look for at the wall to see if it's man-made or a natural formation? You know, that's the fun thing about Rockwall, Texas. This, um, there are segments of it that have been, um, excavated or they're exposed. There's even sections that I guess are at a museum, um, Besides the photography, I do think there's something to seeing something on site. I think it does tie into genetic memories and just, or you can call it a hunch. You can call it just uh, instincts. Um, there's there. I mean, there's even art experts that can just look at five statues and they just know which one's the fake and they can't even tell you why. I mean, um, Malcolm Gladwell talks about it in blink in the, you know, the bestseller blink. Mm -hmm. There's, there's something about being at sites and seeing them for yourself. Um, you know, there are magnetic field. I, 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 there's obviously instruments that, uh, like what was used by Scott Walter in America unearthed. I mean, there's ways to analyze the magnetic fields of the wall, but that work currently, like I was suggesting that, that work was done. The question is, for me, one of the questions is to see the wall and just, do I get a sense that someone actually built it? Is it, is it, I mean, I do rock climbing outside. I'm, I do hiking and I've been around a lot of rocks that are just random boulders, or I assume they are. And I want to know standing in front of rock wall, which is only about 40 minutes from here. Am I looking at a rock wall or not? Am I, am I just looking at, pile of rocks or am I looking at something that is hundreds of thousands of years old and would line up with way Laco and you know is it is it 400,000 or 500,000 years old I don't know I'm gonna put and, yeah pause for a second come on one moment I got a phone call okay pause button. sorry well, I think <laughs> no no I think uh recording is going to be you know, doing live live is going to be good. And sorry, you you left off somewhere else. What are we talking about? The wall? Yeah, I think it was rock wall. And I think that the instrumentation, you know, the issues are like the magnetic fields. You know, one of the things that they were assuming uh, is that if the, you know, when Scott Walter was out, the, the assumption was that if the magnetic fields were all the same direction, uh, within the, what was looked like the cracked rock wall would be that it was not um, man-made because if they had cut blocks and set them all back in place, you know, the magnetic fields would be all facing different directions. And I, I don't know if it's a reasonable expectation to retest that or test in a different location uh, because he was on someone's property that chose to dug it up. I mean, he put excavators into it. There's a whole episode on America Unearthed about it. And then they re dug it up for testing some of this. But then again, I have not been able to get in front of a geologist, which I'm hoping the archeologists 
um, we'll have a, I'm hoping there will be a geologist involved at the Galt site in a couple days where I can ask that exact question. I just wanted to do it in person. It wasn't something I was trying to figure out online. I was trying to, um, uh, between that and planning my bigger expeditions and wrapping up the uh, revision of not aliens, I just haven't, uh, it's kind of low hanging fruit, but I just literally haven't had time to ask the mechanics of how long would it take for magnetic fields to realign? Hmm. I wish I had Ken Wheeler on speed dial. I'd love to talk to him more at all and meet him. Mm. That's a shout out for everyone. Um, not really a challenge, but just, I, I, I think there's something to this. I mean, this rock wall thing is very mysterious and I don't really know if it's, I, I guess I'm not going to chalk it up. I, I respect Scott Walter's work tremendously. Um, you know, it's hard not to lean on his opinion but I still would like to check it out. So try to maybe make some more progress on it. I'm saying it's man-made. What? I'm saying it's man-made. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm, I want it to be man-made. I mean, it's, I mean, when you think about how big it is, it's like, it's very Lord of the Rings castle keep size. You know, it's just what kind of dinosaurs were they keeping out? You know, Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's, if it was real, like why else build something that big if you weren't keeping out really big things? Nephilim. Well, I thought they could fly. I don't know if they can fly. I know they're big. Well, then they try to run up the wall and slide down like a squirrel that couldn't get grip. That's happened to me. All the Nephilim just uh, trying to get in rock wall and just couldn't get over the wall. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't put Humpty to, Dumpty together again oh man so uh, I guess we'll just wrap it up <laughs> so, I think the listeners probably get an idea that we're both like really freaking tired today. <laughs> we're not tired yeah no <laughs> everyone well I'm sure you had fun maybe we're too tired to realize this is some of our best content maybe but, uh, <laughs> Gary, hit the outro. <laughs> Where you can find your book and your site? Oh, notaliens.com. Not Aliens on YouTube. TerraCore, my documentary. Please go check it out. It's uh, 38 minutes. It's on YouTube. And um, uh, notaliens.com. I should put it behind my wall for my member area, but that's where all that is. And my book, like I said, uh, it will be, the release date will hopefully it be in front of us in the next two, three weeks. And you will then be able to get it um, at notaliens.com awesome. and online. And likely I'll put Amazon. It, and it will be a link to notaliens.com in the notes of this episode. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com message him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the cost of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of this page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com 
also buy the book Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on film that you'll ever need. You can find it on Amazon and it will change your life. Because remember, everything that it says was first imagined. Thank you.